0: welcome to vitality made simple the following production is for educational and entertainment purposes only if you need medical advice call your doctor now let's go to vitality made simple Welcome to Vitality Made Simple, the podcast that empowers you to feel better, look better, and more fully enjoy the relationships in your life. It's all about relationships. It's great relationships that make us happy and give us joy. And I've got someone here with me today who gives me lots of joy. And it's Dr. William Davis. He is a a world-renowned cardiologist and author of the Wheatbilly series. He's also written Undoctored. He uh, recently has a super duper book called Super Gut. And um, he's someone I highly respect for his curiosity, as well as his ability to articulate uh, real medical myths, uh, things that we have have historically believed to be true about our health, markers that we look at, things that determine our actions, but Dr. Davis digs deep, and he is going to unravel some some very big things for us today. You're in for a treat. Uh, Dr. Davis, welcome.
1: Oh, thank you. You know, I'm a big fan of yours, too, also, Dr. Deb Osmond, uh, because I've come to be familiar with your work, and I see some of the real trailblazing stuff you're doing like uh, correlating oral microbiome to the gastrointestinal microbiome, which is really fascinating and very courageous to do.
0: Well, I thank you for uh, just boosting me in that and, and believing it. Um, you you don't take the mouth as the forgotten orifice. You know it is connected and, and uh, impacting the gut. So I, I just never cease to learn from you. Every single time I'm around you, I learn something and... And I consider you to be a hero of anti-aging medicine, Dr. Davis. I mean, true anti-aging medicine. I think there's a lot of malarkey around this anti-aging thing that's really just exterior uh, cosmetic procedures. So, you know, I'm all about inside out and um, real. And, And you fit that absolutely uh so i want to help our our listeners you know my listeners are all about um vitality they're all about finding ways that they can do things to feel better have a longer health span which we call vitality span here at the podcast um you know not just live longer but also feel good longer and you exhibit that in everything you do so so start out dr davis um by telling us about uh, BMI, body mass index, and how that is, you know, something we believe, but maybe we should be reconsidering that.
1: Yeah, so the most common measure used in clinical studies, as I should point out, is body mass index, which is weight divided by body surface area. The problem with BMI used widely in all these studies is that it doesn't differentiate where the fat is occurring. And that is a crucial thing. So most people don't know that obesity per per se is not the problem. In other words, uh, fat in your chest or neck or thighs or buttocks is really not much of a health problem. It's a challenge to weight-bearing joints like hips and knees. But the real problem with being overweight and obese is abdominal fat. It's the fat that's in the abdomen and circling intestines, pancreas, kidneys, liver that drains to the liver. So there's a, uh, you may recall, there's a uh, venous system called the portal venous system, and it drains all the venous blood from the gastrointestinal tract to the liver. And the liver is the recipient of a lot of the byproducts of both food and microbes in the gastrointestinal tract. That's the source of problems associated with obesity and overweight. Problems like insulin resistance, type 2 diabetes, increased cardiovascular risk, increased uh, risk for cancers like breast cancer, hypertension, uh, high triglycerides—it's all coming from abdominal fat. The other fat, uh, labeled subcutaneous fat, really doesn't have much of a problem. It's the it's the abdominal fat. Now the problem with that is all the methods, conventional methods for weight loss, such as reducing calories, and i, I Debbie. As you know, you and I are always shocked. In clinical studies, they still use calorie reduction, which is a completely ridiculous way to lose weight because it doesn't work uh, for long-term. You're virtually guaranteed to regain the weight. So you can reduce calories. You could take a pharmaceutical, like a Contrave, or even the uh, so-called GLP-1 agonists, like Wegovy and Ozempic and um, several others, or even bariatric procedures like lap band and gastric bypass, all those conventional methods of weight loss are ver- are variations on calorie reduction, reducing calories. So if you have a gastric bypass, uh, you end up eating a lot less calorie reduction. Uh, and it's quite clear in clinical studies, time after time, when you reduce calories, regardless of the method, you regain the weight. You'll regain all of the weight. And by the way, most of the weight regain is fat. Another problem with all those methods, whether it's diet or uh, pharmaceutical or bariatric procedure, also involve loss of muscle, and the loss of muscle can be profound, depending on the uh, sex of the person, male versus female, age, and some other factors. It's anywhere from about twenty to sixty percent of the weight lost is muscle, and that's a problem. So there's actually evidence to tell us that if you lose muscle. During weight loss, you actually increased your risk of dying, so there's an increase in mortality. So conventional methods of weight loss are awful because <laughs> they they don't target abdominal fat, the real source of trouble in obesity and overweight, and they inevitably lead to loss of muscle, and that's a health challenge. It's a health problem.
0: I uh, in on I'm uh, to my readers. I'm on uh, Dr. Davis's private group now his website has a lot of incredible information that you can just get on for free i think you know please join me in the private group because there's so much but one thing you said that really surprised me is that uh, low-fat low-calorie diets impact the gallbladder so tell us about that that this is amazing news people amazing
1: yeah isn't that something so there have been several studies very simple all they did was put people on a low calorie diet, calorie reduction, or a low fat diet, or both low calorie, low fat. They did an ultrasound at the start of the gallbladder. If you had gallstones, you were eliminated. So all these studies involve people with no gallstones at the start, and then repeated gallbladder ultrasounds every four weeks for up to 12 weeks. And an astounding proportion of people on a low calorie diet, low fat diet, or both Develop gallstones. As much as over 50% developed gallstones in some of these studies, and many required surgery because it became symptomatic and it blocked the bile duct. So the presumptive reason for that is when you don't eat fat, whether it's low calorie or low low fat, your gallbladder re- remains inactive and it stores bile. When you have bile that's not being expressed to help digest fat. It stagnates and, and crystallizes, and that's the process that begins formation of stones. And so, remarkably, dietary advice, common dietary advice to you know push the plate away, use smaller portions, use smaller plates so your meal looks bigger, you know, all the, that conventional advice leads to a, an astounding proportion of people developing gallstones. If you talk to people and say things like, "Did you do uh, program X?" Fill in the blank. One of these weight loss programs that involves calorie reduction, and say, did, and, did you have gallstone problems? It's, oh yeah, I did. It's shocking how common this is. So once again, common dietary advice is not only ineffective, it's very destructive and leads to people die of gallstone <laughs> gallstones. It's not. It's not a benign problem.
0: Well, and that gallbladder is there for a reason. Um, we don't want to just start taking out these body parts that we were uh, designed with and might need later. So, so people can have a a BMI. A, body mass index that seems to be in the normal range. Now, uh, my listeners at Vitality Made Simple know that we don't want to be normal. Uh, normal is not a good thing in our world. You know, normal is dehydrated, irritated, constipated, frustrated, overscheduled, overstimulated, underrested, undernourished, and totally stressed out, Dr. Davis. And, you you know, you, you, know, you see that all the time in so many things. Uh, you are just... a just showing us what the so-called normal range is, but we want to be optimal. So in terms of, you know, optimal numbers and, and uh, measuring this, how this visceral fat is impacting our bodies, uh, you know, tell us what we need to be looking for on, on blood testing. What matters? What doesn't matter?
1: So as you point out, BMI is almost worthless because it doesn't tell you where the fat is occurring. The most uh, effective measure is a simple waist circumference using a tape measure and measuring uh, just at the top of the uh, pelvis. So you just run your hand down the side until you hit the pelvic bone uh, and you measure horizontally at the end of an exhalation, soft. So don't pull it tight, just a little snug. Don't let it pinch the skin and, and measure that. Now there's no, co- the, the conventional guidelines will say things like if a male has a waist uh, circumference over 40 inches or a female over 36 inches, then you have problem. That's nonsense. That's, that's kind of like the blood sugar measures. They say if your blood sugar is 126 or higher, you have type 2 diabetes. So if your blood sugar is 124, you're not diabetic. Does that mean you don't have any problems with blood sugar? No, you have a huge problem with blood sugar. But conventional guidelines say you don't need insulin drugs yet. That's that's the whole idea when they craft these guidelines or cutoff values. So just because your, wa- your waist is uh, below the 36 inches, say, for a female, does not mean you don't have problems with visceral abdominal fat. If your waist is 34 inches, you have huge problems. But there's no uh, direct cutoff. You can't say, okay, if a woman's waist size is below 28 inches, she has no problem. You can't say that because it varies with each individual. So it's not so much a matter of an absolute value as much as something you can track. So what we want, therefore, is not uh, when we lose weight, if, if losing weight is part of your listener's goal. So reducing calories, pharmaceuticals, and bariatric procedures are terrible ways to lose weight. So what works? Well, uh, uh, strategies that address insulin resistance, because insulin resistance, of course, is the process that causes accumulation of abdominal fat. So we're going to eliminate insulin resistance. We're going to normalize the insulin response, make us insulin sensitive, make our muscles, brain, liver, other organs sensitive to insulin. How do you do that? Well, We eliminate foods that trigger insulin, wheat, grains, and sugar, period. (laughs) Not fat, not saturated fat, not bacon, not pork fat, not beef, not red meat. Wheat, grains, and sugars trigger insulin extravagantly uh, because wheat and grains have something called amylopectin A, which is is an extravagant trigger for insulin. We're going to address common nutrients that influence insulin responses, nutrients that are lacking in modern life real simple omega-3 fatty acids fish oil magnesium because we drink filtered water that removes magnesium iodine because uh people aren't using iodized salt anymore and um uh uh vitamin d when those things all four things are put together and combined with a the diet there's a dramatic Reversal of insulin resistance, but then we go further. As you know, Deb, we also address the microbiome, the gastrointestinal microbiome, which is hugely disrupted in modern people. And um, uh, the microbiome—that is, the microbes in the GI tract—in many people, by my estimation, fifty percent of the U.S. population, uh, fecal microbes, species like E. coli and uh, Proteus and Pseudomonas and Campylobacter. Uh, have ascended into the 24 feet of small intestine and small intestine is very permeable and bacterial breakdown products of 24 feet of microbes enter the bloodstream. Uh, the main component that enters the bloodstream is called endotoxin. And so it causes endotoxemia, the entry of endotoxin to the bloodstream. And that is a massive trigger uh, for insulin resistance, first hitting the liver via the portal venous system, and then the systemic circulation uh, amplifying insulin resistance Causing weight gain, abdominal fat. So put that all together. And we have a method, I believe, Deb, of specifically targeting abdominal fat. All the the, the source of problems while not losing muscle. Uh, now we add some other things optionally. These are not absolute. It's not part of my basic programs. But lately we've been adding collagen peptides and hyaluronic acid because those things are... You know, you know the low-fat experience taught us how many things go wrong in health when you cut mm-hmm. the fat in your diet. Because one of the effects uh, of cutting fat is to abandon organ meats, like brain and skin, and thyroid and heart and tongue and liver and stomach and intestines. And those organs are rich in a variety of nutrients, but especially collagen and hyaluronic acid. So modern people have been deficient in those things because they're not eating brain and skin, for instance. And you have accelerated skin aging, accelerated Mm -hmm. joint deterioration because the joints are largely collagen and hyaluronic acid, accelerated uh, uh, phenomenon of menopause because the uterus, cervix, and vagina is largely hyaluronic acid, accelerated brain deterioration and cognitive impairment because the brain is largely hyaluronic acid and DHA, the uh, one of the omega-3 fatty acids. And so we have accelerated aging phenomena because of the low-fat avoidance of, of organ meats and the thereby deficiencies of collagen, hyaluronic acid, and some other nutrients.
0: Well, and I would also see this impacting relationships when people uh, are low-fat, low-calorie, they're in a bad mood. <laughs> you know, they feel terrible. And and all they are thinking about is food all the time. So it, it just works. Your method works because people feel satiated. Uh, they don't have so many restrictions. Uh, they can, you know, go to a party and find something good to fix. Or, uh, in fact, recently, uh, Doctor Davis, I bought your um, your ten day grain detox just just for the recipes <laughs> because um, my friend Jane. Makes all these great recipes out of there, and it's like I've got to have that book for myself. And uh, so, so it's it's delicious to live this way. I mean, it, it really, it really is. And and when you get to have deliciousness, I mean, enjoying meals with the people that you care about, I mean, that's just great for a life. And and then that decreases stress. I mean, to me, you're anti-aging. You you don't pin it as anti-aging, but I really see this as inside-out uh, vitality uh it, it really enhances all areas of life. I mean socially, mentally, emotionally, physically. I mean it's not just about getting rid of love handles, which you know love handles are probably are not a good thing. They're a sign of that um, the fat the fat that doesn't need to be there. but um I really appreciate that it's that it's inside out because it's it's achievable.
1: You know, you make a good point that is living this lifestyle with no wheat, grains or sugars uh, and not restricting fat, having all the fat you want. So have bacon. Never trim the fat off your meat. Never buy lean cuts of beef or other ground meats. Um, Use more olive oil. Uh, Coconut oil is fine. Lard and tallow are fine. Butter is fine. People fall into this style of eating. Most of us uh, over time have breakfast or delayed breakfast and then let's say you have breakfast at 7:30 typically most of us aren't hungry till 4 or 5 and it's a different kind of hunger too you may have noticed it's it's a soft hunger it's not that kind of angry uh uh desperate angry, hunger that hangry mm-hmm. yeah. That grain-consuming and sugar-consuming people get, where they essentially they they knock people away at the, at the all-you-can-eat food buffet. <laughs> you know, they get really irritable. They yell at the waiter or waitress if the food takes too long to come out. We're like indifferent almost. food still tastes great, of course. And of course, you can have all the pizza you want and muffins and cookies. In addition to the bacon and butter and other things, uh, all we do though is, as you point out. We just replace the problem ingredients like wheat flour or cornstarch and sugar with healthy ingredients, so don't have health implications. You can make all those replacement foods. You do have to make them. They're they don't they're not easy to buy because a lot of companies don't make these things like like a bread if you wanted or some rolls. They don't they don't keep well, and so some companies have come out with products, but they're in the refrigerator aisle, and so they haven't been very popular. But they're so easy to make once you learn the tricks and the new ingredients. And you can have a pizza. you can have sandwiches. You just gotta uh, find replacement ingredients. It's very easy
0: well, Dr. Davis, please expand uh, for us on the optimal numbers. you know we we know what uh, normal is uh, with you know say a one c fasting blood glucose, uh, c reactive protein, um uh, High density lipoprotein. uh, You know all of these numbers that people see on their annual blood reports uh, have these normal ranges. And once again, normal is just what's typical in a society. It's what the lab has found to be typical. It has nothing to do with feeling great. So, what do you recommend that people look for on their blood test?
1: I first tell people because a common concern is cholesterol, of course. And cholesterol should have been abandoned decades ago. So I tell people, take a black magic marker when you get your cholesterol panel and black out the total cholesterol and the LDL cholesterol. They are absolutely worthless values that have no basis in reality. They are remnants of 1958, 1960 technology, crude technology. Better methods have been around for many years, but it requires more education on the part of the doctor. And it's not, and you also, when you do more advanced testing, like lipoprotein testing, not lipid or cholesterol testing, but lipoprotein, fat carrying proteins in the bloodstream and look at measures like VLDL particles, very low density lipoprotein particles or LDL particles that ldl cholesterol was meant to approximate so ldl cholesterol was developed as an indirect method of guesstimating how many ldl particles. well you can measure ldl particles when you start to get this more insightful deeper testing you start to recognize that all all causes for cardiovascular disease are dietary and have nothing to do with fat intake have nothing to do with saturated fat They have everything to do with the consumption of wheat grains and sugars, because all those foods, uh, whole grain bread, multigrain bread, um, whole wheat bagels, all that nonsense, uh, and gluten-free foods too, by the way, are extravagant triggers of small LDL particles and VLDL, the real causes of heart disease. So now the good news about a cholesterol panel is there is one truly useful value, and that's triglycerides, the thing that most doctors ignore. I know you don't ignore, but most of my colleagues ignore it uh, because triglycerides are a very reliable indirect gauge of VLDL particles, very low density lipoproteins. They're very rich in fat, triglycerides, particles that are both direct causes of coronary disease, heart attacks and interact with LDL particles, making them triglyceride enriched. And then a series of reactions creates the small LDL particle, the real cause of heart disease. Because they're small, they're better able to infiltrate your artery walls. They're more adherent to structural tissues. They're more prone to oxidation and glycation, glucose modification. So it's a double whammy. You eat carbs like the amylopectin A of wheat, and you trigger both small LDL and high blood sugar that in turn glycates the small LDL particle, making it worse. And the small LDL is not recognized by your liver. And it goes around and around in your circulation, giving it lots of time to interact with the artery walls. So it persists for five to seven days, unlike in large LDL, normal particle that lasts only 24 hours because the liver recognizes it and clears it. So the small LDL caused by wheat grains and sugars that is. That means that conventional diet advice, like cut your fat, cut your saturated fat, eat more healthy whole grains, causes heart disease. Mm-hmm. Conventional diet, a heart healthy diet, causes heart disease and diabetes and obesity and weight gain. So it's it's a it's a tragedy that that this this where we find ourselves. We've been through fifty years of dietary misunderstanding, misinterpretation, misinformation, that is responsible largely, for the epidemics of obesity, overweight, type 2 diabetes, autoimmune diseases, the rise in dementia and cognitive impairment, coronary disease. You'd think that conventional people would start to recognize, gee, over 80 million Americans now take statin cholesterol drugs. Most Americans try to limit their fat, right? And yet, we have the world's worst epidemics of type two diabetes and obesity ever in the history of our species on this planet. You'd think they would say, well, maybe our advice is wrong. Instead they say, try harder, cut your fat even more, (laughs) do more of the wrong thing.
0: Right. And, and, you know, uh, all kinds of cognitive decline or, you know, just, blowing through the roof at younger and younger ages. That's been one thing I think you and I are just really close in age. And we've seen, you know, people come in taking more and more and more medication and feeling worse and worse and worse and uh, getting more things replaced and removed. And um, so, and people being more confused about dietary advice. That's where your ability to articulate. This is so impressive, Doctor Davis, because you really simplify it, and so people don't have to constantly guess. Oh, eat this, don't eat this. Uh, it, it's it makes so much sense. I, I really, you know, thank you for that. So, so where should? What number should people look at for, like their hemoglobin A1C, the yeah. average of their blood sugar for the last three months, their fasting blood glucose? Um, you know, you hear that anything under five point seven on their A1C is oh, you don't have to worry. Uh, but you know, give us your take. So I
1: always ask, as you as you point, pointed out, let's not ask what's average uh, or reference range or normal. Let's ask what is optimal or ideal so at what level of hemoglobin a1c does all the excess risk from that associated with that value disappear so if you if your hemoglobin a1c is too high you're at risk for cognitive impairment coronary disease heart attacks uh type developing type 2 diabetes insulin resistance uh all the diseases virtually all modern disease hypertension etc so where does it, all that risk go away? 5.0% and less. So why would the lab say 5.7% is okay? Why would the doctor say 5.7% is okay? Translation, what it means is you don't need insulin or drugs yet, so you're okay. What, what he did not say, he or she did not say is at 5.7%, you're absolved of all excess risk. In fact, <clears throat> risk for a heart attack and other cardiovascular events is 300% higher even at a, between 5.3 and 5.7%. That's not normal. That's not ideal. So we aim for ideal 5.0%. By the way, with that triglycerides, uh, we aim for 60 milligrams per deciliter or less. That's where it no longer contributes to heart disease risk and doesn't lead to formation of small LDL particles, or at least it's very rare to have substantial small LDL particles and a lot of VLDL at a triglyceride level, at a triglyceride level of 60 milligrams per deciliter or less.
0: You know, so similar, Dr. Davis, to to dentistry. I mean, it's like, oh, your gums are bleeding a little bit, no problem. You know, oh, you have a little bleeding. And really translated, what that means is you don't have any loose teeth yet and you don't need gum surgery. I mean, it really does because I I tell people the teeth are the last to go. And so, you know, as you're... Uh, describing all of these numbers, you know, even though you don't have full-blown diabetes, well, your brain is being impacted, you know, you have accelerated aging in every single way, you're not going to be sleeping as well, you're not going to be in as as good of a mood as you could be, Uh, you know, it's all those early things that really uh, make such a big difference in
1: how much we're enjoying life. This happens over and as you know, it's it's a good thing for your listeners to recognize just how common this is. That it, the doctor essentially says, <clears throat> if it's not at catastrophic levels, we don't care. So I saw this, for instance, over and over in a very common measure of the thoracic aorta. So the heart is here. The first big artery that comes in the heart is called the thoracic aorta. It goes up, and it crosses over, and then it goes down into your abdomen, pelvis, etc. So a normal-sized aorta is about 3.0 centimeters. Well, on a, on a heart scan device or an ultrasound, very common tests. It's really common to see enlarged aortas, like 4.5%. The doctor almost never tells you that this has happened, not recognize that it, if it's enlarged, it, it will continue to enlarge at the rate of about uh, a tenth or two-tenths of a centimeter every year such that at 4.5, you're about five years away from an aneurysm that can kill you or cause stroke. And the crazy thing is, if the doctor told you, hey, you're a thoracic aorta is 4.5 centimeters, not an aneurysm yet, but it's going to be, you can take steps to put a stop to it so that you don't develop an aneurysm, don't have a catastrophic rupture and die within three minutes. And don't have strokes from it because a disease, thoracic aorta, likes to develop atherosclerotic plaque that shatters and showers debris to your brain. That's, people, that's why people say things like, oh, so and so had a mini stroke and they can't find out where it came from because there was no carotid disease and their heart rhythm was normal. It comes from the thoracic aorta. And yet people aren't even told they had this problem. So, oh, that's just one example, of course. It's like you're bleeding gums, it's often dismissed. Oh, you don't need to have your teeth pulled. You don't need to have a new aorta put in. (laughs) You therefore don't have a problem. And it's not true. By the way, with that thoracic aorta dimension, all you have to do is never accept the doctor's uh, uh, statement. who says, oh, everything's good. No, no, no. I want a copy of the results. And if you don't know what it means, come to us. Come to Dr. Osman, come to me and say, what is this? My thoracic aorta, they say, is slightly enlarged, 4.3. My doctor didn't mention anything about it but it says 4.3 centimeters. What does that mean? What should I do about it? There's a ton of things you can do about it and, and put a stop to it.
0: Well, and that decreases stress, Dr. Davis, because, you know, people have this sort of ominous fear that um, they're going to, what I joke about, they're going to be, they're going to go under the wrong pooping bird, you know, and get diabetes pooped on them or Alzheimer's disease or autoimmunity or, you know, you name it. Because if you, you know, years ago when I was in the middle of my master's, this, this girl at church, this young girl came up to me and she said, Oh, Debbie, please pray for me. The doctor says I'm getting diabetes. And she was holding a big gulp and three donuts, you know, and you know, you can imagine I had to bite my tongue. Almost bit it off. Uh, just you know, because she, but she had no idea. In her defense, she had absolutely no idea that her actions were impacting that diagnosis. And the physician didn't have anything, tools in the toolbox. You know, at that point, like I'm getting diabetes, and there's nothing I can do. And the fear, you know, she was a a wonderful, you know, uh, twenty twenty something year old musician, um uh, you know, probably sixty pounds overweight. Uh, but she she felt helpless. She felt helpless. And so I appreciate that you're helping us not to feel helpless., uh, you probably know my story about this crazy diagnosis I got with chronic lymphocytic leukemia. And just by accident, my friend was just testing me because I feel so great and um and am energetic and, uh, you know, active. But uh, it was, it's subclinical and the oncologist that she sent me to said, um, I don't want to see you till you're sick. Why was this test done? That's an email I have. Uh, I don't want to see you till you're sick. Why did you have this test done? And so, you know, in his defense, he has, he has nothing in his toolbox, but I do. And, you know, because of, you know, your program and proactive things that i've done in my life um two years ago that that uh, monoclonal b-cell number was two percent and um now it's one percent it's one percent and they've never seen you know it's it, like they're shocked and uh and it's going to go to zero i'm very confident it's going to go to zero so that's the hope that we have and the decreased stress um to just you know do some simple things that that you. Um, you know, that you outlined so well in in your book, Super Gut is uh, Dr. Davis's newest book. And I I it's required reading for all of my new patients. I just you know, I mean I send them a picture and say read it or all and uh it, it makes you know so much difference. Uh what what else can you tell us about um you know the the distribution of body fat? Uh you had a an awesome lecture on the meetup about sort of, you know, fat gut or fat butt. And uh, I, I love <laughs> I love the way you You have such a great sense of humor and uh, it helps us remember things. Uh, tell us, you know, what, what really makes a difference there.
1: So if conventional methods, calorie reduction, uh, pharmaceuticals and bariatric procedures do not specifically target abdominal fat, it, they, they, they tend to prefer loss of subcutaneous fat. So even if you lost 50 pounds most of it was subcutaneous fat, and thereby you don't get mostly, you don't get all the health benefits you could have gotten, and you lose muscle mass. That muscle mass can be very significant, and that's the process that guarantees that you regain the weight. You know, there were, uh, the most uh, persuasive study was the study of the people who participated in that crazy TV show, The Biggest Loser. So, mm-hmm. if you saw any of the episodes, you know that they 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 badgered these poor people into doing hours per day of, of strenuous exercise, coupled with a low calorie diet, typically 1,400 calories per day. So the, that combination makes you absolutely miserable. And that's why there was so much uh, emotional fireworks on the show, people sobbing, giving up, right? Uh, well, those this in a formal study, not the show, a, there was a formal university study of the people who, who finished the program and they tracked them for six, up to six years after they left the show and they all regained the weight and more. And these people maintained, most of them maintained a low-calorie diet and a moderate exercise program. But on a low-calorie diet and exercise program, they regained 70, 100, 130 pounds. So they measured their metabolic rate, and their metabolic rate had diminished by about 25%. In other words, they burned less calories. So they regained weight, even with a low calorie lifestyle. So that was yet another study. There's many of them that show that when you lose muscle and turn down your metabolic rate, you will regain all the weight. So we're going to do something different. We're going to specifically target abdominal fat and we're going to preserve muscle. So one thing that does not work, by the way, strength training is a great thing to do, but it will not block the muscle loss of low calorie of any, any Mm -hmm. method of reducing calories. So if you uh, are reducing calories because you're taking Wegovi or Ozempic, or you had lap band or gastric bypass, you cannot compensate for the loss of muscle with strength training. This it's not quite clear why that is. You can go to the gym three times a week for an hour and you still lose muscle. No one knows why that is. There's some overpowering effect of a low calorie diet. So we're not going to engage any of that nonsense we're going we're gonna to specifically address insulin resistance and we're going to sh- uh, 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 incorporate factors that change body shape and fat distribution. So that's the program. Wheat, grain, sugar elimination and the common nutrients deficient modern life, vitamin D, omega-3 fatty acids, magnesium and iodine. We we manage our microbiome or gastrointestinal microbiomes and address the endotoxemia. And as you know, it's, it's very easy. You can do it with yogurts that you make in your mm. kitchen. You don't need drugs.
0: Well, and if you're in Oklahoma, I'll give you a jar. <laughs> just just <laughs> give me a call. Uh, I'm passing it out all the time because it really works. It's delicious.
1: Then we add some other things. If you want these advantages, we add collagen peptides, hyaluronic acid, the two things lacking because no one eats organ meats. You could eat organ meats. But most people don't want to anymore. No, And right. you can also add a carotenoid. My favorite carotenoid is astaxanthin because all those things when put together, there's a synergy mm-hmm. and you get this huge effect. You get reduction in abdominal fat. Uh, there is some subcutaneous fat also, but it's mostly abdominal fat, the source of health problems. And you preserve or even increase muscle mass. So it's not uncommon to engage in this program and lose, let's say, 50 pounds of abdominal fat and gain 10 pounds of muscle. It's very common. In other other words, you're regaining um, uh, muscle you've lost because we lose about 35, sometimes as much as 50% of our our muscle mass that we had when we were in our uh, teens and 20s when you get into your 60s and 70s. And of course, one of the great special sauces we have is lactobacillus rotari our favorite, my your, your favorite, yeah. my favorite microbe, <laughs> which also stimulates dramatic increase in muscle via oxytocin. So uh, you know, I, I, I've missed that. I've I've not said it perfectly uh, correctly. I, I often say getting ruteri that thereby provokes oxytocin release, provokes a restoration of youthful muscle and strength. I think a more accurate way to put to say that is restoring rotorite right, lost by almost all modern humans that thereby causes release of oxytocin restores the muscle you you had personally in your mm-hmm. teens and 20s so if you're an athlete for instance and we're more heavily muscled you'll get much more muscle response than someone who didn't have a lot of muscle so it's not so much a muscle provoker as much as a muscle restorer no one's worked out exactly how that works but I suspect what happens is as we age, our muscle cells atrophy, but they're still there. And under the influence of oxytocin, they plump up again. And that's been seen, by the way, in two mouse experimental trials, where you give a mouse either rotari or a, an old mouse, roteri or oxytocin, and you get a restoration of big, plump, juicy muscle cells, just like young mice. And I think that's what we're seeing in humans. So the rotary is also an important player in this whole process of trying to specifically target abdominal fat, the source of health problems, while restoring or even increasing muscle mass.
0: That's exciting because that's going to help brain brain tissue to work better. That's going to help sleep. That's going to help just the whole inside out anti-aging phenomena. That's what we
1: want. We want it real. We want to keep it real. Muscle is a greatly undervalued asset. So as you know, having lots of youthful muscle protects you from falls and fractures. It helps you navigate more freely uh, the world. You see these old people, friends who can barely stand up straight, can't walk very fast. So having muscle allows you to walk fast, climb stairs. It also improves your insulin responsiveness. Mm -hmm. Right. Yes. And thereby prevents diabetes, heart disease, cognitive impairment, and and men at least, higher testosterone levels also. So there's great advantages to maintaining youthful uh, muscle
0: right. And then you get that um that you know, clothes are going to fit better, and you just feel better about yourself in every way. I mean, it's it's that's not the main thing, but that's a wonderful result of of building this muscle. it's It's really fun to think about.
1: Sometimes what? ladies get mad at me. They say, hey, Dr. Davis, I'm doing the yogurt and the program, and I gained 10 pounds. I tell them, well, what's your waist? What's your? Oh, my waist is much smaller. And I, as you point out, how you're closer. Oh, they fit better because my shoulders i have more muscle. So we're shifting body composition, loss of abdominal fat, the source of health problems, and increasing or restoring youthful muscle and strength.
0: Oh, it's great. And it's delicious. I mean, that's why it's so (laughs) wonderful. Like the Bacillus rooteri. You can just, you know, grab a bowl for a snack. It's just so terrific. I would recommend uh, all of you listeners, and I've done it before, uh, read Super Gut. I think it's back here on my shelf, actually. Uh, Yeah, there it is. Um, And Read it and, uh, you know, listen to Dr. Davis's podcast, which is called Defiant Health. Uh, Join me on his meetup. We. I just sit there and you'll be surprised. I'm pretty quiet uh, listening because it's there's always some incredible um, message that he has and we have great conversation just as a group. Uh, it, it's really a way to, to enhance your vitality span and you don't need to spend a lot of money. I mean, that's the thing, Dr. Davis, all of these strategies you give us, they don't require fancy equipment. They don't require memberships anywhere. I mean, these are things... Anybody can do anywhere. Like um, the podcast now is, I think, in 84 countries. Well, anybody listening anywhere in any of these countries can do what you're saying. I mean, this is not complicated.
1: I'm a big fan, as you are, of giving people strategies and tools they can use on their own uh, and don't really need to go to the doctor to accomplish. As As you know, people can get rid of type 2 diabetes. Very easily, very easily with no medication. You can get rid of fatty liver very easily in two weeks with no medications. Even though John Q Primary Care will say, hey, uh, John, you have fatty liver. and John says, what can I do about it? You can lose weight and that's it. That's all we have. There's no drug or procedure for it. But we have tools using diet, nutrients. And addressing the microbiome and you can get rid of fatty liver in just a couple of weeks very effectively with no drugs at all so the, the truth of the matter is people have extraordinary power in their hands uh, and sadly don't ask your primary care doctor how to do it
0: yeah i don't want to see you till you're sick you know that's what you're gonna <laughs> <Right>. hear <laughs> Yeah, you know, right. i'm living proof if something like chronic lymphocytic leukemia is in half then you can do it on anything you're facing, listeners, anything you're facing. Uh, just some simple things to get your body back into proper design, uh, spending more time, you know, having fun. There's all kinds of strategies, but they all go. On a, on a final note, um, last week uh, I interviewed Dr. Stephanie Seneff, uh, who talked about glyphosate. And, you know, your program, Dr. Davis, is a natural way to decrease glyphosate because these grains that people are eating are just doused with that uh, chemical. And so it, it really is very natural to, uh, to detox just by getting rid of grains and in, in your life. So, so thank you for joining me. I've just kept you so long and I, I appreciate your time. I know you're super busy uh, cardiologist. I, I, I appreciate you so much. I consider you a friend and I thank you for your time. Tell a final word. Tell us how people can find you. What, what you would you know like to close with.
1: Sure. So what Dr. Osman's talking about with the uh, two way zooms we have is my inner circle. It's drdavisinfinitehealth.com inner circle. It's a membership website because we have staff to pay and, um, uh, but every typically every wednesday we meet for a couple of hours and we talk about rotari yogurt and share experiences and also share new lessons we're learning because we're doing some unusual things including cultivating very specific microbes for specific health effects uh, we're learning new things that ha- haven't even been reported yet in the science like rotari no one knew that rotari Gives you profound, deep sleep with extended REM. That's our observation. And a whole bunch of other interesting observations, all new. So we share these experience. You know, when p- you put people together, you crowdsource wisdom. You start to get this magical effect almost. Everybody's asking similar questions and out of it comes answers. Mm. So we, can, we pose an an- a question, perhaps, we don't have an answer for. But over time, it materializes. We have an answer. So that that all occurs in, our, in that drdavisinfinitehealth.com. Uh, Inner Circle, there's also a blog with over 2,000 articles in mm-hmm. it. There's a very busy discussion forum with several hundred thousand posts in it, as well as tons of videos and written content. But as, as with Dr. Osmond, what we're trying to do is educate people because it's not coming from the health. And out, Dr. Osmond's office, lots of great stuff happens. But in the conventional dentist's office, the conventional primary care's office, conventional cardiologist or gastronomy, almost nothing involves health. It's all about pharmaceuticals and procedures. So we're here to deliver a message of health.
0: We are. It's a message of hope. And I really appreciate you, Dr. Davis. And thank you all for joining us today. Um, You're the reason Vitality Made Simple is growing. I'm a social media introvert. And uh, just share this with somebody who can help. um, And We'll see you next week. Blessings until next time. Thank you.